perfect spice choices for healthy food is important to manage chronic diseases. We have focused on a specific line of spices that can really fit your diabetic lifestyle. Our spice flavors are a game changer. We have created unique blends of all-purpose seasonings that are salt-free, gluten-free, with no additives and preservatives, great for chronic conditions like high blood pressure, obesity, and heart disease. These spices contain antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties, and improve digestive function and metabolism. Choose Diabetic Cuisine Spices for your family to feel more safe, confident, and support healthy aging. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Transparency Talks Podcast. I am your girl, Butterby Rocker. Listen, we have an amazing show for you today. I'm super excited to actually speak to this young man. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him at the Lapo Screening Room, where I debuted my um, trailer for my film. So I'm really excited about that. Um, also, I want to let you guys know that my new single, Time Stands Still, it has got picked up on BET Her and BET So. This is my first announcement of it. Um, they have not given me the exact date of when it's going to premiere yet. So as soon as I find out, I will let, let you guys know. But without further ado, he is the writer, director, and owner of Anti-Hero Productions, the Red Carpet Resident. Can you please show some love for Mr. Sean Mathis? Hello, Hello. Sean. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Phenomenal. How are you? I'm doing real good. I'm doing really good. Um, I like to dive right on in. So can you tell everybody a little bit about your background? Uh, background. Okay, so my background, I'm a writer, director, producer. I started out in Atlanta in um, 2013, um, writing, taking writing classes XYZ. In 2015, I hooked up with street execs and did a bunch of videos and movies for 2 chains. And then from there, I started creating my own content and, you know, working for a bunch of um, studios and putting out my own stuff. I'm not mad at it. Okay. So you are not from Atlanta. You're from Philly, correct? No. Well, okay. I moved here from Philly, but I'm originally from Waterbury, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And what inspired you to pursue a career in the film and industry? Uh, so I was in Philly um, between 2006, well, I was in Philly between 2005 up to 2010 or 11, but I was writing books when I was there. Okay. And when I was writing my third book, I kept seeing it in my head as a movie and I figured, okay, the universe is telling me it's time to make a switch. Um, and that's when I decided that I was going to write scripts. It was really that simple. The universe spoke to me and I listened. 
I, I love that. I love that. I kind of had the same type of situation. Well, actually, COVID spoke to me and said, <laughs> hey, you can't tour no more singing, so you're going to have to figure it out. So I switched. <laughs> okay. But you started, so you started as an author, mm -hmm. and your first project was a short film. Correct? No, my first project was a, was a web series, actually. Oh, okay. My very first project that I wrote and um, financed was um was a short oh i'm sorry was a uh web series called threesome oh i that like the title <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was um it was a comedy about um loosely based on what me and my girlfriend at the time had went through while trying to find another woman to join our relationship so oh, okay. The of it. So some of the things in there actually happened. Some of the things, of course, were exaggerated for TV. Right. That was, that was my first project. Okay. I was looking at doing a web series, right? Mm -hmm. And when I found out the cost to do the series compared to the cost to just turn it into a feature film, uh -huh. I, I had I had I had 13 episodes written for my film. Yeah. Well, for my web series. And then I found out the cost. I condensed that and turned it into a feature film. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. So did you have, did you film it yourself? I mean, you had your people help you or you just completely went all out and paid? Because it costs a lot of money to do films, as we know. It, yeah, it does. So I had that, I had that same revelation when I started. Originally, threesome were. Uh, 10 hour long episodes. Wow. Right? And when I broke down the cost, I was like, well, well, shit, I can shoot five films with this money. At the time, I was just started, starting out, so I didn't have the money to shoot that. So we so we, we wrote it down to like 10 minute episodes, eight episodes, XYZ. So I did finance it myself and um, the people that I got to work on it were people that I had met while I was like interning in the film industry before or other sets that I was working on, I found dope people to pull into my project. And eventually those people became my team. I, and I, I created my, my production company after that. So that's how I did that. We're taking a pause for the cause. This is my new single, Time Stands Still. Time stands still. Every time I get next to you.
So let's talk about short films because I'm going to be honest with you. I was trying to figure out how to do a short film. Kudos to anybody that convinced, <laughs> that convinced a whole story into a short film. How do you do that? Because it, that's a skill. Uh, how do you do a short film? You write a short story. Like I, I don't really don't know how to, how to explain it. But okay, so you take a concept. And if it's a feature film, it's like, okay, how can I tell the same story in 10 to 15 minutes? So you really have to figure out how to, I know, I feel like I'm not answering your question properly, like how to do it. I just know how. Uh, I can't really explain it, but it's like, so I was watching Black Mirror. Okay. Uh, this is like 2021. I'm watching Black Mirror and I was like, oh, I wonder if I can make some Black Mirror type shit, right? And I was like, well, I don't have the money to do all this technology. I can't do it for an hour. So I need to be able to tell the story in 15 minutes. So I came up with a um, um, a short film, which is my, my favorite short film. It's called Touchscreen. And basically, I told that story in 15 minutes. So it was like, this is the technology. This is the good side. This is how it ends. It was like, bop, bop, bop. And I was able to tell the whole story in 15 15 minutes um there were uh, and most of it was a montage not most of it, i would say like the middle part of it was was a montage so this woman creates this technology we see her creating it we see her sitting to her husband who's often um at war and um when she unveils it to him the next um middle part of the film is a montage of how they use the technology to communicate with each other each other and all that stuff then we get the montage and at the last five minutes of it is um what happens with the technology right so you have to like figure out how to tell the story like you have to do it fast this is what it is 
this is the journey or this is how it um this is the fun stuff and this is how it's going to end if i answer the question properly you got to get to the meat and potatoes really really quick you have to but you can't lack the story right you can't lack story if um, mm. it can't be too rushed mm -hmm. can't be too rushed you have to time it out really well Mm -hmm. I understand that. I, I'm going to attempt a short story. I swear. I I just got to get out of my head because it just seems like like it took me. I had to cut. Like I said, I had 13 episodes, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to cut so much just to turn it into a feature film. It's like, mm -hmm. Lord, how how do you condense that even farther? You know what I mean? So whoa, you have to reconstruct the story. Yes, you, know, you, you really do. You really do. So what has been the most challenging part of your career? <sighs> I hate this question because I want to sound like I got it all together. I would say the most challenging part would have to be, I really don't have one, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Okay. So it's its easy when you have your own money, right? Yeah. I don't, have, I don't have to wait for anything. I call all the shots. It's, it's literally my way. And I've been fortunate enough to where the careers I've had in the past have made me a great people person. So I know how to develop people and talk to people and motivate people. The most challenging thing I would I would say would have to be figuring out what I'm gonna do next. Mm. I have all these stories. Stuff that I want to do is like, what's next? I spend more time thinking about what I want to do next. That would be the most challenging part for me, I guess. I think for me, because it was my first time and I dove right in and, and financed everything myself, it was finding the right team and then having to be able to work with different um, attitudes and characters and people that are on your set. How do you handle conflicts and and different, you know, <laughs> people? Conflict head on, and I it in bud immediately. I don't have time for that. Like my sets, filmmaking is stressful enough. Yeah. Right? Being on set is stressful enough, right? So at the minute I, I see conflict, I go at it head first and I cut it out of there. So quick story, we, we were on a set and one of our gaffers came to us and decided he wanted more money. We're like four days into like production. We have another six days to go. And he's mm -hmm. like, I want more money. I'm not unloading my equipment so I get more money. They came to me with it. Cool, you're fired. And I call somebody else. That's simple. That's simple. Yeah, I, I kind of had something like that. Conflict of problems. I'm, 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 I'm ready for it. And I tell people that you have to think about the worst shit that can happen. And that's a lot where pre-production comes in at. A lot of people mm -hmm. say, "I got money. I got a script. Let's shoot." And they don't spend enough time in pre-production thinking about if things will go wrong. So I prepare for war. That way, when something bad happens, I have an immediate response. Nothing misses a beat. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Good advice. I should have had you as my um, as my mentor because people <laughs> were trying me. I think it was also because I was a woman and and I was new, and mm -hmm. they knew that I was new, mm -hmm. and so I had people that tried me, and I really didn't want to come off, you know, as a B, you know. And so I kind of tiptoed, you know, for the first couple of days and then I had to get in that ass, you know, to let yeah. people know I'm not with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks because that happens, especially with women. Like yeah. I, have, I have a female first AD. She's been with me for four years. It's my right hand. But I saw um, one time on set when I put her in charge, some of the males had an issue. So I had to like tap that ass real quick, like, uh-uh, uh-uh, she's me, period. Yeah. Period. We don't treat women like that. We don't treat nobody like that. She's me, da-da-da. 
And but I hear from other women that are in control that people do try them simply because they're women. And it adds to the fact that you're new. If you know a person's gonna try to like take advantage and it sucks, right? Yeah. So I, I tell people when they're new, when you're getting a team together, always call filmmaking in Atlanta is so small, everyone knows everybody if you're doing it on a certain level. It's nothing to go to Instagram. Type in that name, see who's in a photo, see who you know, see who you know knows them. And I get references before I hire anybody. I get references. Mm. How does this person work? How does this person do it out before I decide to bring them into my circle? And if I don't get three good references, I don't hire that. Elijah Lamar. Feel like it's time for me to open up my eyes. I hate the fact that it took so long for me to read between the lines. But I see now, but I see now. I done woke up, then I woke up. I got a different perspective now that I've grown up. Okay. Sit back, twist up, get high while I embrace your mind. Picasso with the portrait portions of my life recording. Absorb it, absorb it. I've learned that change is important. So let's sit back and enjoy it. I lost too many of my homies. Now I'm just living in the moment. Everything I want, I will own it. I speak it to resistance, control how I'm living. And if you ever once doubted me, I bet now you can see I'm different. And if I hate it too close, then I just create distance. Get ready for something different. Get ready for something different. Sit back, twist up, get high while I embrace your mind Anything I want, anything I need, I see it's all on me Everything they heard, everything they seen, everything they thought I was But get ready for something different Time to get some wood, twist it up, sit back, chill and listen up Get ready for something different Time to get some wood, twist it up, sit back, chill and listen up Ready for something different Time to get some buds and twist it up Sit back, chill and listen up Oh boy, oh boy, get ready for something different Time to get some buds and twist it up Sit back, chill and listen up Oh boy, oh boy, get ready for something different You don't know, you don't know Get ready for something different Are you ready tonight? Get ready for something different. Get ready for something different. Are you ready tonight? Oh boy, get ready for something different. 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 Get ready for something
calling all my indie artists. We are looking for that fire. So if you got that heat and want international exposure for your next single, contact our team for submissions details. Exposure in Italy, London, Japan, South Africa, Nigeria, and Canada. Serious inquiries only on Instagram and Facebook at Transparency Talks Podcast. So how do you stay motivated and inspired to keep creating? Uh, I don't have a choice. It's like, it's, it's just in me. Like that's, it's all I think about outside of my children. Um, so I don't have to like stay motivated because I'm, because I'm already motivated. I know, I think once you know what your purpose is, you don't, yeah. need, you don't need any motive. Uh, you don't need any motivation. And because I know what my purpose is and I know exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it. I just get up and freaking do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, one of the things that I really liked about you at the, at the screening, I didn't really get a chance to speak to you mm -hmm. and, and it was a lot of stuff going on at mm -hmm. the screening. So mm -hmm. yeah. But one of the things that I really liked about you was, I mean, you were so direct and, and of all of the people that was up there, I mean, you had no problem getting on the mic and you was like, look, you need to do this. I suggest this. And you had no problem with it. And, and it showed you had so much passion when you spoke mm -hmm. that I was like, I have to speak to him. But I, it just wasn't the time. It, it, it was not. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and, and the directness comes from... A, I had a military mother. She had a military background, so it was real direct. My mother never beat around the bush. My aunts never beat around the bush. They told you exactly what it was. Good, right. bad, ugly, and different. So I, I grew up that way. Right. Um, but what I've seen in the film community, especially in the Black film community, so many people are so worried about leaving, being labeled as a hater that we're mm -hmm. not honest. And if we're not honest, you're going to go out here and continue to make the same mistakes and same mistakes. So I'm like, no, fuck that. Look, this is what it is. Yeah. Either you like it or you don't, but these are the facts. And my job, when I'm, whenever I'm on a panel or whenever I'm teaching my students, whenever I'm mentoring someone, I have to be as direct as possible. Otherwise, you're not going to learn. So if I'm labeled mean or an asshole, my students call me the script terrorist, it doesn't matter because now you freaking get it. And you're going to go out here and be the best that you can be because I was so honest and direct and I didn't coddle your feelings and I don't care about being labeled a hater or whatever. So and so I think that's a responsibility that um, anyone that's that's been put on a panel or in a position where people are listening to you, mm -hmm. be honest, be direct, and that's what it is. Yeah, I, I think that that helps the person grow and it challenges it challenges them, you know, to step it up if they are lacking in something or it's something that they might have missed. Because if you if you're not challenged and you and everybody around you just says everything is rosy, you're not growing at all. <laughs> at all. Okay. So what do you think is the pros and cons of of putting your film in film festivals? Oh, pros and cons. Let's go to pros first. The pro of getting your film in the film or putting your film in the film festival is that you get to um, start creating an audience, especially if okay. you want to go to like different cities and states, right? So, you know, there's people in North Carolina or in Florida or in Texas or Alabama that seen your film, like your film, they'll follow you. You'll start building this audience across across the country or outside of 
wherever you live. Mm -hmm. um, you get to like network with other filmmakers. I get to like watch other films and see what other other people are doing. I get to learn, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like panels and discussions and breakout sessions where again, I can learn from other people that's either on my level or higher. So there's a, there's a great networking and learning experience that goes into film festivals, right? Mm -hmm. That's the pros for me. The cons is being rejected. <laughs> like, being rejected from a film festival or going to a film festival and it doesn't meet your expectations, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to a film festival and I'm thinking it's going to be dope. And in the room and during the screenings, it's like seven people. It's like... Well, this was a waste, right? Right. So, right. so, you know, a film festival not being what you expected and, you know, not getting accepted to a film festival. So my film just premiered. I just had my private screening at Studio Movie Grill and I'm shopping it for distribution, but I've been advised that I should also go the, the, the film festival way. And everybody told me, you know, go to film freeway. And it's overwhelming when you go on there because mm -hmm. it's a million festivals on there and everything. So when you are looking for these different festivals, what do you recommend to people to, to cut to where you really need to be? Because again, there's a million of them on there. Mm -hmm. So on Film Freeway, on the uh, left-hand side, there's an um, icon button, or whatever you want to call it, that says um, top 50 film festivals. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones I apply to. Gotcha. So those ones I start to look at. Then what I do is I look at these festivals and I see what type of films won for the last five years. So I do a lot of research. So I look at which film fest which films won in these festivals for the last five years because I'm able to identify a theme. This is the type of films this festival likes. This is the type of films that win. If my film doesn't fit, then I don't submit. Right? Um, then you also have to ask yourself when you're doing film festivals, like, what are you doing it for? What are you hoping to get out of that? Mm -hmm. Right? And then you can search film festivals that are giving you what you're looking for. So you're not just blindly submitting to everyone. Right. Well, for me, early in my career, I applied everywhere, right? Small ones, big ones, whatever. Now, actually, as of this year, I stopped doing film festivals. I don't do them anymore. Okay. I go straight to streaming. Um, but I started off like going everywhere and like learning this process as I'm going to all these film festivals. So my second or third year, I'm like, okay, I want this. So I'm only going to apply to these festivals. These are the top 50 or the top black ones or whatever. These are Oscar qualified. This gives you like a deal with um, a streaming service if you get if you win xyz so i started like narrowing it down based on what i was looking hoping to get out of appearing and winning a film festival yeah makes a lot of sense okay what do you think is the most important thing to consider when creating a story or a screenplay the most important thing to consider is the story itself hmm. what story are you telling and is it a story that's going to resonate with with the masses so many times, a lot of my students are writing films that they want to see. And it's a term that, it's a phrase that we always hear, right? The movie you want to see. I think it's bullshit. Because at that point, it's not about you per se. Can mm -hmm. this story resonate with the masses? That's black and white. Mm -hmm. If I see another film, this is no shot at you, at a single woman at 30, struggling for a relationship, I'm going to fucking scream. Right, because that has a very niche market, and that market is so saturated. Mm -hmm. It's so saturated. So you have to, when you're thinking of writing a screenplay, 
what story do I want to tell? And will this story resonate with the masses, both black and white? That's the most important thing to think about. Because if the, if the purpose is to sell it, I want everybody to watch my shit. Mm -hmm. Black and white. So I don't particularly do black films. Like it's only um, niche, like the black community. I tell stories that resonate with everyone and I put black characters in those roles.
as you was talking, you, you kept referencing students. So mm -hmm. these students, is this a part of your um, nonprofit film family? No. So I write, I teach a writing class every Thursday night. Okay. Seven to 10 online. So um, we started out in, in, in person learning before COVID and COVID happened and we went to online. So no, um, the students that I'm referring to are my writing students that I teach every week. Okay. So this is the Sean Mathis Writers Room Collective. Correct. Gotcha. <laughs> and how does one become involved in your writer's room? Um, it's pretty simple. Um, people either send me an email or they send me a DM saying that they're interested. Mm -hmm. and I pretty much tell them the criteria. And the criteria is, one, you have to come to class with a log line. And most people don't know what a log line is. And mm -hmm. what I'm looking for is for you not to want me to tell you, go find out. That's the first step. Like, mm -hmm. in the, like, if I say have a log line in class, don't respond to me saying what's a log line. Fuck right. People, right? But right. Maybe the self starters are people that's going to go find the answer. So, A, the criteria is come to class with a log line, have five pages of something that you've already written or an idea of what you want to write. Leave your feelings at the door because if you thought I was direct at the screening, I am worse in the classroom. <laughs> I am worse. They call me the script terrorist for a reason. Um, <laughs> so it's a it's a very tough class. It's a tough class, A, because I respect the art enough to be tough. Mm -hmm. I need you to leave me and go out here and be successful, right? Otherwise, I haven't done my job. And the other component is I have to mentally prepare you for Hollywood. Mm. I have to mentally prepare you for the notes you'll get. I have to mentally prepare you for the notes. I have to mentally prepare you for the assholes. So if you would get past me, you're ready. Right. <laughs> so like basically, like that's the criteria. Then I tell them how to pay, what the what the fee is, and it's fifty dollars a month. And they get a link, and they're in a the class. I require participation day number one. You just don't get, you just don't come in and sit and listen. You answer questions. Uh, you write. You talk. Um, there's you just active participation. So basically, yeah, I'll send someone the criteria of what it takes to be in a class, what they expect from the class, and once they mm -hmm. pay, they get the link. Okay. All right. And can you tell me about your nonprofit film family? So uh, film family, um, I used to be, I, I should take that off. I'm no longer uh, involved with, fam with film family. Okay. But film family was a collective of filmmakers here in Atlanta. And a lot of us got together that were operating on a higher level. And we wanted to bridge the gap of filmmaking with um, between men, women, and people of color. And mm -hmm. we did that through workshops and classes and events and things of that nature. Now I am starting a new nonprofit, the Anti-Hero Film Foundation, which will kind of do the same thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So your films are on multiple platforms. I mean, from Amazon, Apple TV, Tubi, Stars, Fox Soul. I mean, you just everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> How do you get in the room? I honestly, my work gets me in the room. Okay. So before I started, before, you know, things got, before I got streaming, I was doing short films or um, web series that were doing very well online. Okay. Right. So I was able to like build an audience. My INDB was going up and I was doing things for record companies and doing things for small, you know, for other um, production companies or streaming services. So I built the name and I had to work to back it up. So my work gets me in the room. Now my management gets in the room for me. I don't even have to be in the room anywhere. That's what my management is for. Got so but before it's, it's the work. 
the work will get you there. If the work is good, it's good quality, good storytelling, and you're consistent, it'll get you in a role. Okay. Now you're saying consistent. So for somebody that's brand new and it's their first project, you technically can't be, cons you're technically not consistent because you don't have extra ones to show. Mm -hmm. So how do you get in the room when you're brand new? Knock it out the park. The okay. project has to be so great that it's undeniable. Think at um, Morgan Cooper, the mm -hmm. creator of Bel Air. He mm -hmm. did a proof of concept trailer and put it out there and it exploded and got Will Smith's attention. And boom, he got a deal. So your project has to be that original, that creative, that outside the box. It has to, it has to hit so many things for that one project to get you in the room. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important of, of the stories that you choose to tell. You know, there's there's a, a friend of mine in Atlanta, Bobby Huntley. He does this well. It's funny, I tell the story that before Morgan Cooper did his Bel Air um, trailer, Bobby had did a trailer called Auntie. And mm -hmm. it was a Fresh Prince horror film about Black Aunt, Dark Skin Aunt Viv coming back, taking over the house from um, Light Skin Aunt Viv. And I thought that was way better than Morgan Cooper's. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just timing. But but from that trailer, Bobby goes viral, and now he's in the room. He's getting deals, and he's doing all these other movies and all this stuff like that because it was so original, so outside of the box, and it touched on nostalgia. If you mm -hmm. have a story that touches on nostalgia, man, you got them. You got people, right? So your mm -hmm. idea has to be so good, and the quality has to be so good that it's like we gotta talk to this person. I'm slowly turning back to the person I used to be. I'm trying to stay on track, but I'm defeated by broken dreams, yeah. My mama always told me I can be who I want to be. Well, so nobody can hold me, nobody can hold me. It's harder every day And the world wants me to change And become on to broken dreams But nobody told me that the road would be easy And I know Well it gets harder every day world wants me to change and be conformed to reality but nobody told me that the road would be easy and i know yes i know if you like the show then make sure to share your favorite episode and subscribe to the transparency talks podcast so i was looking at some of your trailers and i believe you was in the films as well i i think that was you i'm, I'm pretty sure it was especially in the um the tyler perry one Fire Rider to tyler perry studio i love that i thought that the whole concept was absolutely genius 
<laughs> so um, um, my writers in the writer's room, they wrote that. They came up with that. So what we do in my writer's room is twice a year, we'll write a film as a collective so, we, so I can simulate an actual Hollywood writer's room. And we'll write a film from conception to completion and then we'll, we'll fund it ourselves and we'll go out and shoot it so I can teach people how to properly do production. So on the Fire Writers, because of the content, we couldn't get an actor to do it that wanted to do it. Everybody was so afraid of upsetting Tyler Perry and all this shit like that. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. I'll take the smoke. I'll take the heat. I'll do it. And I'm not an actor, but I was like, let's do it. And I told my class, you guys wrote it. I was going to stand behind it. I'll act in it. I'll push it. I'll put it on my services. That way you guys don't catch any um, heat, heat for it. I'll take all the smoke. I liked it. I thought, honestly, I thought it was, I thought it was bold and I thought it was a funny concept. I, I thought it was really good. So I will let them know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually did a clubhouse, uh, a clubhouse talk on it once it was released, and there was two writers that were that formerly wrote in Tyler Perry's writers' room, like back in 06 when he had one. They were like, "This is great. If you guys need material, let us know. We'll love to like give you what goes on and stuff like that." So it was received well. Yeah. However, I did get a call from a friend who worked in TPS, and he's like, "The fuck are you doing?" <laughs> like, what do you mean? He says, everyone at the studio is watching this. Oh, wow. Like, take it down. Like, everyone knows, like, you're next up. You don't want to, like, you know, mess up any opportunities that you have. And I was like, nah, fuck that. Oh, no, <laughs> not doing that. Not doing that. It stays up. He okay. was like, bro, you tripping. And I was like, nope. Because I have to, I have to stand by what, what, I have to stand by my word. And I told mm -hmm. my class, if you guys wanted to do this, I will take the hit for it. We'll leave it up. No one's going to intimidate us. And I, and I did. I did. You're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. I don't play the politics. Right? right. I don't do things to spare or to appease other people. That's not what art is. Right? Art is, um, it's self, it's selfish. This is what, this is, this is how I see the world. This is what I want to do. This is what I created. This is what I stand by. So I told him, I was like, I, was, I said, I'm leaving it up. And if I never work with Tyler Perry, okay. <laughs> like I finance my own shit anyway. I don't need his investors. I don't need his help. Right. And it's no shot to him, but I'm right. not going to be told what to, I'm not going to be told what to do. I said, I remember telling him, I said, when Saturday Night Live stop doing spoofs or when he tells Saturday Night Live to stop doing spoofs about him, mm -hmm. then I'll take it down. Mm -hmm. Because why are non-black people allowed to do things without any recourse? But when a black person does, we have to be the ones to like take it down or not do it or tiptoe. Now, fuck that. That makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Okay. Well, when when pitching, what are the do's and don'ts? Mm. <laughs> pitching is like my second favorite thing to do. So when pitching dues, um, do know your story. Know your story like the back of your hand. Know your story like the back of your hand. First, I mean, rephrase that. First thing is know your audience, mm -hmm. right? So if I walk in a room and it's, uh, let's say it's a bunch of white people, I might not pitch the blackest story I had. Right. right. I might pitch something that's more universal. So have more than one thing to pitch, but know your audience know when you walk in that room but sometimes you don't know who's going to be there right? right so if it's a bunch of white people i might i might pitch this story if it's more women i might pitch this story right if, if it's a mix i have something that fits everybody so a mm -hmm. know your audience b have multiple things to pitch 
see, know your story like the back of your hand. Tell it with enthusiasm. Um, D, um, confidence. Even if you mess up, you have to have confidence. Right. We pitch in my writer's room every two weeks because so many people are afraid to talk, are afraid to pitch, and they get nervous. And I have to like get you ready because once I teach you how to write, I don't have to go out and sell it. I have to teach you that part as well. So I have some students that have to pitch every single week because they're because they're so nervous. All right, it's not right. Do it again next week. Right. Other people will pitch every two weeks. Some people pitch once a month because they're good. But confidence, even if you mess up, even if it's not, if it doesn't go the way it goes in your head, you have to keep going. So you have to be confident because the person listening doesn't know you messed up. Mm-hmm. Gotta have confidence. Um, don't. Uh, don't read from the paper. Like some people will go into a pitch and read from the paper and it's like, what are you doing? Because right. pitching, pitching is a performance. It's a, you know, it's it's kind of like theater. Like you're looking at your voice, your, your your body language, the inflection in your voice during a certain part. It's all about a performance, right? Um, so don't read. Because what you're doing is selling you, really. It's part of the story, but they're also looking at, do they want to work with you? Mm-hmm. So if you're nervous and you're not reading from the paper, it tells people that you're not prepared or, or you're not ready to operate on this level. So yeah, don't don't read from the paper. Don't fluster or let them know you messed up. Don't say, ah, shoot, I messed up. Don't tell mm-hmm. them. Don't do that. Let's just right. like, keep it going. And lastly, don't stop. Get through the pitch. Don't stop. Get through the pitch and be prepared for questions. And have those answers ready. Like whenever I pitch, I have my team ask me a bunch of questions even like the wildest shit that probably will never come up and the things that that will come up and because i've done it so well i have a list of questions that i always ask myself when i'm preparing or i'll have someone on my team ask me that way i am prepared so when you ask the question boom answer and it's clean and it's concise and it's to the point and i'm not talking on this answer for too long oh lord Oh Lord, oh Lord, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. They be watching how I move, yeah. Up and down the streets, they see I be getting it, so they know I play for keeps. I'm the lion, not the jungle. I'm immune to the beef. Go to war over what's mine, so please don't think shit here is sweet. Listen, playtime here is over. I go vicious in the paint. I'm like AI to the third power. I'm more than just great. I'm a king amongst kings, so we play for higher stakes. You a small time nickel and diamond. I made your way. Travel all around the state. I got my eye on the cake. Got a pretty queen with me. She gon' help me clean the plate. Put my brothers in position. I just pray they keep the faith. We gon' conquer all we need and make them haters. See, you don't want the truth for that. My safety stays off. My 40 got coming past. Broken thoughts, we repair. Better pump your brakes, let them bleed. I'm on a different caliber. See, you can never match speeds. I'm on a different kind of language. Yeah, a different kind of swag. Uh, a different kind of hustle. 
I get a different kind of bag. I got no time to be a strag. I'm the captain on the ship. You be that Gilligan man. Run there still searching for shit. Screaming, oh Lord. Oh Lord, oh Lord. That's what they saying, oh Lord. Oh Lord, oh Lord. That's what they saying, oh Lord. Oh Lord, oh Lord. Yeah, I got him saying, oh Lord. Oh Lord, oh Lord. Make him bow to grace. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. The screening room was the first pitching scenario I've ever done because, again, I went straight from filming it. I um, posted that I was having my screening. I went and did it on a prime night. I did it on a Sunday night. Typically, you know, screenings are done Monday through Thursday. I'm like, forget that. I'm doing it on the biggest night. Forget that. I want the biggest room. I, I like, if you're going to do it, do it. You know what I mean? So I just went all out and and it sold out in two weeks i was nervous you know because okay yeah they like the trailer it sold out that's cool now are they gonna really like this film when they see it you know i was super nervous mm -hmm. but i was more nervous coming in front of y'all <laughs> <laughs> which was crazy because um <laughs> I, I was I, I kept hearing how you was talking to people and i was like oh snap i'm about to get up here <laughs> <laughs> So I was a little nervous, and I don't, I don't, I don't rattle easy. But I was a little nervous coming in front of you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. No worries. No worries. <laughs> okay, so are you open to working with other writers and projects? It depends on the capacity. Mm -hmm. um, I work with other writers all the time. Either I write with, you know, I co-write with them or I'll write for them. You know, I teach writers. So it all depends on like what capacity the role that I'm in. So a lot okay. of people ask me to collaborate with them. And as long as the collaboration looks right, then yeah, I'm definitely open to it. You know, because filmmaking is collaborative anyway, right? None of us can do it by ourselves, right? Right. Even though I have the money and I can direct, I can't run the camera. I can't edit. I can't first AD. I don't hold the boom. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that I can't do. So right. absolutely, if it looks right, yes. I haven't written with anyone yet. Okay. So... I have like a lot of questions on how that really works. Like if I bring you onto my project mm -hmm. and you start writing for me, of course I know I would, I, I would word it as this is a work for hire, mm -hmm. but would you also be able to pitch it? The project? That's a, it really depends because I get most of my pitching that's set up by my manager. Gotcha. So if I come on as, if I write it for you and I'm just a writer for hire, then I don't really have any ties to it, so my management wouldn't. If I'm a co-writer on it, then, then yes, it's, it's, it's partly my project, so they will, right? But if I'm just a writer for hire, I can't promise that I can pitch it, but um, you know, I could probably connect you with people that you can talk to that can pitch it for you or that you can actually pitch to directly. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and I just have two more questions sure. for the new people, and I am speaking also for myself because I'm new. 
Okay. Uh, what do you recommend? Do you recommend a certain distribution company to go through? No, I go. I recommend whoever wants to buy it. Well, lease it. Yeah, I don't care. If people ask me, where do you want it to go? To the highest bidder. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't care. I don't care where it goes. Cut the check. Yeah. So I reckon. So people say, oh, I want this to go to Netflix. Or I want this to go here. Uh, we, we did a documentary, Miles in the Life, the story of a BNF drug trafficker. It was our first documentary. We did it in 2017. Mm -hmm. Get the trailer out, and we get a call from Netflix. Netflix, like, we want it, and it's on, you know, we're going to pay you $25,000. But that was it. It's like, I'm not going to get on my own, right? So, right. Like, so I didn't go with Netflix, right? So right. you can know, you can say that you want this person, but is but does it but but does the deal fit? And right. the deal didn't fit, right? They'd have it for like 15 years or whatever it was. I couldn't sell it anywhere else. I would get no more money. This wasn't a good deal for me. So in a nutshell, the, I wouldn't personally suggest a specific streamer to go through. Go through whatever will give you the best deal. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Open your money, getting the best deal so you can do the next project. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And my last question for you is what's next for you and how can people reach you? What's next for me? So tomorrow I'm actually dropping the trailer for my newest documentary, Kevin Samuels, Hate or Truth. Um, super excited about it. Um, we've been Congratulations. Working. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've been working on the uh, project since June of last year. Um, we're at the tail end of editing and then it'll go to the composer, but we're dropping the trailer tomorrow. So that's what's next. Um, and I also have like a list of films that I have done. It's a look over here because it's on my wall that, uh, I'm just trying to figure out which film I want to do next, whether I want to do a feature film, a feature narrative, or if I want to do another documentary. Okay. Um, so that's what's next for me. And how can people reach me? I'm most active on Instagram at filmmaker underscore Sean Mathis. Okay. We have uh, a question from the audience. They wanted to know, do you create comic books? They're interested in creating one, but do not know where to get started and maybe turning it into a skit or a play. It would be a positive teens comic book. Okay. So, so I personally don't create comic books. I hate comics. Uh, I'm sorry. I hate all things animation. Uh, I don't watch it. I don't create it. However, um, I would say to get started is if you're not an artist, find an artist, right? Because that's that's half the battle. Finding someone that can that that can draw that that can bring these characters to life. Mm -hmm. The next thing is if you're not a writer, get a writer that can still write the story, right? You have an artist, you have a, you have an illustrator. I mean, you have an illustrator and you have a writer, and you guys get together and start creating um, this project. And then when it's done, like once you guys have like the illustration, everything is done, it's mapped out, get it, get it pressed and printed. And then work on a marketing campaign. Okay. Very good advice. Well, uh, I would like to thank you so much, Sean, for being a part of this show. I think it's you've lovely. definitely given some great insight to a lot of people, including the newbies out there. <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate you. So with that being said, we are out of here. We will talk to you guys later. Later. Thanks. Thank, thank you all.